Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes we achieve outstanding pairings, other times we give ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm one of your co-hosts, my name is Dave Gurney, I'm here with... Joe Hilliard. And Carlos Cooper. And boy, do we have an episode this week. Let's hope, right? I mean, we always aim to produce an episode. It's the unknown time. It's before we talk about the movies. We don't really know what we're about to get into. That's right. That's right. No, we don't. Yeah. Well, we do know one thing for sure, and that's a beer is going to be poured. Uh, I hear Joe getting one ready. What is this beer, Joe? It's our second time to do, uh, help me, Mickler? McKellar? I, I hear McKellar. McKellar is what yeah, I McKellar seems said. right. Yeah. Uh, they're, of course, out of San Diego, California. Shouts out to our buddy Kyle, uh, who is on our Discord and, you know, calls himself sometimes our biggest fan. But he lives in San Diego. But uh, this is their burst. This is a West Coast-style IPA. Uh, having it <laughs> on a day, uh, this is exactly, I think, <laughs> See, what the now, now you're peeling ordered. back the curtain too much. That's for, I think that's so. for the we'll after hours, the curtain folks. all the way back in after hours. Patreon.com slash Beer and Movie Podcast. Thank you. Designed to represent a true West Coast IPA, distinguished layers of tropical fruits, sprite citrus, and resinous pine lead to a crisp and lasting finish. Trying to figure out why they're calling it burst, like as you pointed out before we got rolling, David. The, someone there's a some cover art, can art of someone blowing a bubble gum bubble that popped onto his buddy's face. So I don't know if we're going to have hints of bubble gum or sweetness. That sometimes we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. McKellar is always uh, a fun thing to try. Big shout out to Emily who was on the podcast three weeks ago, three episodes ago uh, for our Nope episode. This yeah. uh, was a gift. Uh, from from her which is thank you emily uh always very exciting to get not beer mail in this case because it was hand delivered to us when she appeared on the program but uh pours nice and the nose is fruity yeah i love the appearance on this nice pale yellow like you would want with a pale ale and uh definitely yeah getting some some fruity aromas on the nose I'm excited to uh, to dig into it. I'm excited also to see if it has more of that West Coast bitterness that, yeah. that we anticipate with the West Coast IPAs, West Coast Pale Ales. But I'll be honest, I'm excited to dive into the lead movie this evening. Yeah, this is one that, you know, we had kind of, we had locked in uh, the episode last week and after we had done that, I had mentioned in the in our discord uh, our personal discord not the public one where we do all of the kind of programming producing behind the scenes stuff and i was like oh actually this movie came out this week and then nobody said anything so we continued on with bullet train but we figured let's get it for this next week we're in a dead period right now right i mean like this is august is a weird time we've just gotten out of the summer blockbuster season proper yeah so nobody's gonna throw us one of those big budget spectacles uh you know nope was maybe the last gasp of that at least for us on the podcast yeah we haven't gotten to award season fodder yet Uh -uh. that probably won't really kick up until almost october and that's early. Even then, that's pretty early. So yeah, we're, I mean, we're looking at a couple months of smaller films, perhaps, more yeah. modest, which can bring some real sure. gems yeah. in there. It's not to say that we won't see some good stuff, but it'll be a little bit more of a, a fun kind of... It, there won't be obvious logical choices in tweet. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and of course, it's, we're only a month and a half away from completely altering the format. Well, that's all true. Horror, and October, October, yeah. Part of the reason why that works so well is Very that fun. October is not really a heavy time for big releases. So it's Maybe great for you us get a new horror movie. Well, we have there. Halloween we ends. Halloween, Halloween ends, ends for sure. Here, but yeah. not a smile, which you're completely opposed to. It looks fucking dumb. It does look kind of dumb. Um, but so, Hulu threw something out, and we took we we bit on with uh, all three sets of teeth. Yeah, which you know, shame on whoever produced this film for making it a straight to streaming thing. Put this in a theater, you fucking idiots. Um, <laughs> no one knows anymore, Carlos. No one knows anymore. It, this is. What, I mean, this you, was you a, think about the period obvious. this was being produced. I mean, we, we can talk about that later. But I, I, I'm not going to fault the producers as much as I'm going to, you know, uh, say am. that it was a tough time to be thinking about how do you release this film. Yeah, I disagree. I think it's a. <laughs> if you once you saw the final cut of this movie, it should have been clear. Uh, so we're talking about Prey. It's a Predator prequel, uh, and basically it's about you know maybe possibly the first time, if not a very early time, that one of these alien uh, 
species known as the Predators uh, arrive on Earth. And uh, he drops into uh, the Comanche Nation in 1719, I believe was the date. And um, kind of... We're viewing this through the lens of Nauru, who is this young girl in the Comanche in her particular Comanche tribe who has this older brother who's a skilled hunter and she very much wants to go on this kind of coming of age hunt where you're hunting something that's hunting you very on the nose foreshadowing in that conversation with her brother early on. Uh, so you have, you have Nauru played by Amber mid thunder and uh, Tabe is her older brother, this skilled warrior uh, played by Dakota Beavers directed by Dan Trachtenberg, not related to Michelle Trachtenberg. Uh, right on the Wikipedia page. Too. Yeah, I, I, it I like it right that, there. Which makes sense. It's like it you does. have two famous Trachtenbergs in the, or becoming famous, I yeah. guess, Dan. Well, he, I, I mean, 10 Cloverfield, right? Did well. No, that, I mean, that, that was gets, a pretty big one. And he's been involved in some TV stuff, too. The so, Boys, yeah. huge one. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was one other thing that I could have sworn he had done that, no, maybe it was The Boys or something. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so it's, the the main plot so so that's like the context of it that those are the characters and what they're up to and you know kind of set early on but the real like kind of inciting incident of the film is that a mountain lion carries off a member of this community and so some of the more experienced hunters the men go out to track it down try to bring this 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 friend of theirs back um Naru forces herself through, gets kind of a cosign from her brother that, you know, she's good with medicine. And if she finds, if they find this guy and he's still alive, she can help, you know, right, help him survive. Um, but she, of the four, five of them, there's four men in her, uh, of, of the five of them is the only one that's really willing to admit that there's something more dangerous afoot out in the jungle, or not jungle, the f- woods. Um, yeah. Uh, frontier the frontier than just uh, your normal run-of-the-mill mountain lion you know those those everyday sure. mountain lions it's bigger uh, than a bear according to that footprint it, lay, it sure does lay it's skinned a snake and all this stuff and uh and you know there's some other stuff happening there's some um french voyageurs colonizers, uh, french french fur trappers french colonizers explorers i mean this is pre-louisiana purchase the this area yeah. of America is like You're in co- the it, the infancy of being colonized. There's mm-hmm. debate over who which European nation yeah. gets to claim it. Subtle, as their own. I don't know how. Maybe we can go into how subtle it is. Some criticism of you know that kind of wasteful you know killing of a buffalo herd that she right. stumbles upon. Where they're, they're, they're just going after the they've, fur. They've left yeah. The, yeah. the carcasses, but taken the furs. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's what they're after, which is crazy. The hides. I mean, what you? I mean, you could eat for ha- how long on just one of them? I mean, I don't know. Anyway, uh, you know, it's something that you kind of think about when you're watching these like period piece films, where it's just like nothing. Like literally, nothing is easy at, no. in this time in no. this place. And to be like that wasteful is kind of interesting, but I mean, yeah. I guess it is a, a very European kind of disposition at this period of time where they're just coming into this place well, that they have no that not, they have no connection to and just like laying waste to it. It's know? a misappropriation of value. The value is in the hides. Yeah. The value is not in the meat. Of yeah. course, there's a different group of people that would argue. Well, the you. the value is what you can For go sure. and sell, right? You sure. can't take meat and you don't have ice to pack it on. Yeah, you can take it true. back to the there's no civilization towards the east. So yeah. to them, the only thing that's worth, worth anything that has the value is what they can resell, what they can use. Sure. But this... So the thing that's interesting about this movie is that it's kind of coming off the backs of some pretty failed attempts at Predator sequels, Predators, which is actually being kind of, uh, it's it's, it's getting Andrew Garfield, uh, where it's Andrew Garfielded. Where people are looking We're back on it retrospectively and be like, wait, oh, actually, was this actually- was good, but nobody <laughs> liked it at the time. Yeah. There was The Predator. Right. That was the most recent, right? I think so. Yeah. And it, I don't think that one was super well received in my memory, yeah. at least not in like a way, at least not in the way that this one is being. Because like, let, right. let's just say it up front, people are raving about this movie. Yeah, our buddy Robert Rodriguez uh, took a crack at the franchise as well. Well, yeah, he was The Predator, correct? Yeah. Uh, so... 
Alien versus Predator. I mean, they've tried. Alien versus Predator was sick. I yeah. rewatched that not that long ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it sucks, it. but it's good. Sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, since the first, I mean, people were saying best one since the first one, uh, all that kind of stuff, getting a ton of praise. And so it's, you know, it's kind of interesting seeing that taking a really like different approach to it. I saw somebody tweet like, Every horror franchise needs to take a note from Prey. I want to see someone in ancient Greece open a Hellraiser box. I want to see, like, you know, like all, all of these different kind of past times and places having kind of early encounters with these like myths that take up the horror canon, sure. uh, which I think would be interesting. But can't, I can't Freddy haunt the dreams of feudal Japan. I'd like to see that. Perhaps that is, I think, exactly one of the it would have examples. To be different. Or, I mean, because uh, that has a very specific time period to the Freddy character having yeah. become. It might not have been Freddy, Freddy, but there was a horror franchise that was referenced. Like, put this one in feudal Japan. Put yeah. the Hellraiser box. I mean, in anything that has like, like that. an alien race, like alien predators, yeah. you can play around with those throughout time very sure. easily yeah. because we don't know what their sort of galactic time that they're true, on is. True, true, right. true. Whereas those ones that are like the Jasons, the Michael Myers, the, those slashers. Those are more specifically tied to right, the time and place. Specific, specific instances. American culture, yeah. That we know the dates of. For, yeah, that, that's extent. true, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, getting a ton of praise, people saying the best since the original Predator. This movie is better than the original Predator. I'll just come straight take. out and say it before we get super into it. Uh, that it's I different. Think it, this movie is fucking awesome, <laughs> front to back, tops to bots, so good. And I, I mean, I was reading a little bit about it too before you guys came over here. That like there was a kind of like Dune esque book put together for this. Not obviously on that insane of a scale, but this like book put together that you know the director and the people involved were like, we need to make sure that you know this as accurately as we possibly can represents this particular time and place. So they, they put all these kind of renderings and drawings and like things from museums and artifacts together so that every department, when they're doing costuming, when they're doing set deck, when they're doing all this stuff has this kind of guide Got to the look Northman at treatment. and be like, okay, here's like, and uh, there was a woman who's, I just skimmed the article, so I don't have the name off the top of my head. I'm very sorry to this woman because she seems like she did some great work. Um, but she was brought in, and one of the things that she noticed when she first read the script is that there wasn't a single horse in the entire film. Hmm. And she said it'd be insane to set a movie in a Comanche tribe and not have a horse. They are horse people, used horses historically, whatever. And so they immediately like rewrote it to put Tabe on a horse. And, uh, and then she talked about how it was like 110%, like one of the most important things. And she... In the article, the quote is, and I add the 10% because after the movie was done, we got the approval to do a Comanche dub of the movie, yeah. uh, which is an option that you have on Hulu if you watch it. Did either of you watch the Comanche dub? I watched portions of it just to get, after I had already watched it through okay. the English version, just because then I was reading about it. And I'm like, oh, there is this other Comanche version, which you have to select. I mean, yeah. it's, not the it's not the default one that's no. going to come up. But I watched a couple scenes with the But it's Comanche. dubbed in the traditional sense. Their English lips are yeah, moving. But they, yeah, they, 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 at least the couple scenes I watched, it was really pretty well done good. where yeah. when the characters were speaking. I don't know if I'd love to compare shot for shot, but I feel like they held shots a little less so you didn't see the lips moving. You would just see the character start to speak and then it would cut to the reverse uh, shot. Okay. I like the foresight the there. I like yeah. the idea that it's available. Yeah. Because if anything took me out of the movie it was the perfect english spoken by you know the, the yeah. native american i mean yeah it's an action movie it, it, i understand why they it didn't did bother it. me so watching it but i like that they go it. to that length yeah. and i and it i may well rewatch it as the full i think Comanche that i might also point. because carlos like you i was very excited at the end of this movie this yeah. it it's for for many reasons. Number one, the female lead. She is fantastic. So good. It, Aubrey Plaza vibes facially. Yeah. A little bit. No? A little bit. I, I was like on to the point mm. where when I first started watching it without doing any reading about it and knowing anybody, I was like, Oh shit, did Aubrey Plaza do this? A little this? bit. Is she, is she native? Yeah. But no, she's not. I, I she's like Puerto Rican. Uh yeah. I I didn't get Aubrey Plaza from her, but I did get she she felt very familiar. Like something about her face was very like familiar, like I, but I but I never quite landed on who I thought she was. Rem she she, I like she the, reminded me of. I like the idea that they address the discrimination in the tribe that females are kind of known for the me medicine work and mm -hmm. homework and go back and do those things. But it's not so on the nose. She's captured by the colonials, and there's no you know big 
gender disparity there in the sense of, well, now she must be raped because she is the girl that has been captured. They yeah. avoid all of that, and she's able to get her way out of those situations by the general badassery that she's been exhibiting basically one-on-one with the audience almost up until that point. Her badassery, we're watching her go into the woods alone yeah. and learn how to do this when she's not being taught by the tribe. Yeah. And to me, that it, it was it was a, it was a fascinating way to build her up as a character that could maybe take on the predator. Yeah, I mean it's kind of questionable at first because, you know, she does have she does have trouble killing some rabbits. She gets knocked out by the mountain lion, but then I but I feel like the the point that you're kind of making there is at is on its fullest and most like well executed display when one of her brother's friends it like makes fun of her for having to put a leash on her weapon. That's not what she's doing at all. And then yeah, and then once she starts like you know, she's comfortable with it and she has to fight with it, it's just like so badass. Yeah. Like the mm-hmm. when she has to go into that like camp where the French people yeah. had set up after all this shit has gone down with the predator and whatnot and her and her brother are about to have this showdown with him and she's fighting all these guys and whipping that whipping the fucking hatchet around and all like so sick. Yeah. So fucking cool. Well done. Super, yeah. super, super good fight choreography in this movie. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with anything that anybody said. I love this film. Um, and, and it's getting pretty universal acclaim. Um, I think the, the one thing that I've seen people pointing out about it, um, and this was even on our Discord chat a, a little bit, is the CGI that there are, there are certain... It is very obvious I, honestly, here and there. Honestly, the bear. It, it, the bear, yeah. It, it, some people some have the said animals. the mountain lion, a couple scenes with the mountain lion, which are pretty dark for the most part. Anyway, the mountain lion scenes are especially dark. It, it didn't... It never bothered me. I It, ne- it no, never took me out of it, but I, but I was me, watching I this at home it. on a... You know, modest, modest by today's standards, size screen. You, mean you don't have a hundred inch six uh, K. Not yet. Uh, someday, someday. Uh, but but you know, maybe if I was seeing this, a few more people in our Discord, and we can all three have one of those. <laughs> maybe if I was For show see, purposes seeing this uh, in the theater on a big screen, um, maybe those flaws would would uh, would pop out more at me. But they feel pretty minor. I mean, I think the the performances here, Mid Thunder, I think is amazing. And again, like even though I, I did have that moment of thinking of her as like an Aubrey Plaza doppelganger, I think she's much more um, action-oriented badass than I've seen Plaza be able to pull off yet, yeah. which, hey, maybe just the time is coming and, and we'll see that. So that, got that, that Emily was, the Criminal movie coming. I don't there know how action it is. There's also it. talk of her taking over to- Tomb Raider. Or oh, yes, that's right. That People have made that. Rebranding uh, it yeah. Tomb Raider. Yeah. Um, about, so, about Aubrey Plaza? Yeah. yeah. I would prefer this girl as, as Laura Croft. She would, yeah, that would be an interesting move. Um, but but she's great. And I never watched Legion. I know she had a role in that. And, and so some people are already kind of familiar with her and she's had a few other... So, but she was very new to me, and she definitely um, proved herself very worthy of that kind of action star presence in a film. I love what this does. I mean, you said this is the, better than the original Predator. I can almost go there. I mean, it's, it's hard for me because I feel like we're comparing slightly different things. I still like Predator a lot. Go back and listen to our our episode where we cover Predator. I mean, and The Running Man. Come on. That was a great episode. <laughs> it yeah. was. Um, it, you know, which I think is a movie that still stands up and was even delivering some bits of critical commentary on the kind of masculine, hero-oriented action film of the 1980s right during that period, using its biggest star, perhaps, right? Predator um, episode 107. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I think I, I still give a lot of credit to the original, but it is kind of astounding to see a film like this that comes along, which I had heard nothing about. It wasn't yeah, until uh, some folks on the Discord started to, Carlos sent that note about, hey, Prey is coming out. I'm like, Prey? What, you know, like, at least, it was spelled P-R-E-Y, so mm-hmm. I knew he wasn't trying to go Christian film on, on us with this. Or some kind of MC Hammer bio. There you go, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> you know they would go to, you can't touch this for that. That's, yeah. there's no way to. Um, but, so this one kind of came out of nowhere for me, and the idea that they were making, if I had known about it, I would have been, oh, God. But seeing it unfold the way it does, that it takes the basic sort of um, the basic idea of the typical Predator film where it's always, you know, as far as I know, I haven't seen every single one in the franchise, but, you know, the Predator is out to hunt for trophies, right? Is out there to go get as many kills as it can um, in this 
to what it to an alien environment for it, right? I mean, it, it's coming to this right. other world, our world, and it's going to go hunt. Um, we see this happening. Like, okay, so we can imagine these expeditions may have gone on for years. What you said, Carlos, earlier, this may well be the first one, but it might not be too. Maybe we'll yeah. see one set in the 1500s next. Maybe we'll see Ash battling them along with the undead of the Middle Ages. That'd be sick. At some- <laughs> I think that there. comic has happened, actually. <laughs> really? Yeah. That, yeah. Um, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, this kind of opens an interesting door to this idea of how does a franchise like the Predator or the, the Predator franchise, how can it evolve? Well, it's almost limitless because at this point we've taken it and we've done something I think pretty unique yeah. now with putting it into this um, era where you know um, Western civilization hadn't imposed itself on the wilderness of, of the, the American West. We have these indigenous people. How would they react? The Comanche people, how would they react? Taking figures, the Comanches, that are well known as film villains from the Western genre and sort of recasting them as the heroes that we're rooting for. And, and in that same period that we would have seen those Westerns set, you know, to a certain extent. It's, it's, Brilliant. I mean, it, it, to to think that they, you know, Trachtenberg, and I guess he had a co-writer on this. They also brought in, um, was it, uh, th- there's a producer on it who is Comanche, I believe, um, Jane Myers, who seems that's, to have... That's the woman I was referencing earlier. Okay. Who, who brought in the, oh, they would be on horses. They would be on horses. And, you know. I think had that cultural background that allowed She's, her to bring some of the better specificity to how they're depicting all this she's been brought in on other projects before for a similar purpose she was when you franchise anything that is the popularity of the original predator or the popularity of the original friday the 13th or alien or fill in the blank you're challenged every single film to give the audience something they haven't seen before and where predator has gone in the past is futuristic where the humans have a fighting chance with um, upgraded weaponry. Right. What's fascinating about this movie is putting the Predator and his upgraded weaponry, because you see some new tricks out of his bag in this movie. Well, that net that cuts through you, and then, you know, I thought that was great. Some of the um, close ups of how the, 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 the three laser weapon that we see yeah. from the original works, you know. Mm-hmm. But, he, but what our protagonist in this film has is not a machine gun, you know which didn't help any of the guys in the original Predator at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, It's getting back to what Arnold had to do, which was more of a native approach. But now we've got someone who's living it, being able to execute it. And I, I loved that aspect of it, that she's mm-hmm. got her stone hatchet. You know, that's her big, big weapon. She's given a... There's a, fun, there's a hilarious scene of the Predator up against some of the colonizers with their single uh, musket ball and, you know, ball and powder yeah. muskets where they shoot, and then they have to pause while they kind of quickly reload, and yeah. then the Predator yeah. can just quickly dispatch them during that, that pause. Yeah. But she's given a handgun and taught quickly how to use it, and, uh, you know, comes into this climactic, the climactic battle where we're, you know, just like the, the original Predator a little bit, Picking up all the clues that we'd been given on how she might be able to defeat the the predator, the herb that cools your body. I didn't when she first used that. I didn't say, "Oh, that's going to come back and replace the mud that yeah. Arnold used." Yeah, I'm here, kill me. You know. Yeah, I've just been using any opportunity I could to say that <laughs> fantastic line. I thought that they were going to do <laughs> it when she falls into like the the mud. Yeah, they kind of the mud. They or, tease I mean, it. They tease yeah. it and then kind of thank God don't like rehash that because it would have been like. It was cool in the first one where you're like, oh, shit, that's like, that's yeah. a good idea. But then, body. like, as soon as she realizes that he can't see yeah. the French guy yeah. who she helped out or whatever, I was herb. like, eat it, eat it, eat it. Come on, you know, let's the, go, let's go. The next go. one is going to be set in a nursing home, and it's going to be icy hot. They're going to cover <laughs> right. this, their entire body. In Wait, is it in a nursing home, or is it going to star Shaq? The face of icy hot. <laughs> okay. Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, uh, it'll be at an NBA practice facility. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like in the, the training room where the guy emerges from the the metal hot tub. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I, I really like the orange herb thing. That was really cool. But one thing that I r- r- kept thinking about, um, and we t- we talked about this one uh, actually to bring it back to Emily. I made this analogy. Uh, on that episode talking about Close Encounters of the Third Kind and how it doesn't like do a whole lot for me now. Whereas like when I watch 2001, it's like hearing Black Sabbath's first album for the first time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And there's that element of like, can you even begin 
to imagine what these people thought when they saw some of like when they saw what like like when one of the other uh, Comanche guys saw lasers on their chest. Right. Yeah. What the fuck would be going through your mind yeah. at that time? You've never even imagined anything like this, let alone seen something that resembles it. Right. When the shit starts floating in front of the French colonizers or whatever, yeah. and then a beep? A countdown beep. <laughs> a beep. They eventually register, this thing's, we need to run. This is bad. <laughs> yeah. But just the amount of pause that you would sure. have to, just to even be to process processing them. Yeah. you know what i mean Although it's I, crazy i think you know it's interesting I, I i hear where you're coming from but i think given the way that i think people and they don't belabor it in this but like they, they talk about the the spirits and you know there's a certain level of mystery to the world that they explain through the way the spirits work like the idea that something beyond their comprehension exists and that can a uh, can it sometimes intervene in their lives? I think isn't all that foreign. Whereas I think it's more foreign to us in some ways. Like if we see something that just doesn't fit with the technology that we're aware of or whatever, I feel like we'd be more put off by it because we don't believe as much in the spirit world in general. I suppose, it, yeah. But I I mean, I would say I you know, if, 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 if Jesus reincarnated and came back in this room right now, I'd be like, that's fucked up. Well, I, <laughs> I, would I, like, I, thought, I thought it was Jesus anyway, but I, I, I'm I would be now. even even more shocked by that. Okay. Well, Much more pleasantly you know, surprised. Before I forget, because Joe brought this up, the, the technology piece, I thought it was really interesting how, you know, you said it's the Predator still has, obviously, technology advanced beyond where we, or at least parts of their technology are advanced beyond what we understand. But there's parts of the Predator technology in this that are not as advanced as the predator technology that we've seen before right the the, the uh, mass right yeah is, is more of a bone material it looks like it's yeah. actually it taken the skull the... of some past kill and refashioned it as a protective yeah, plate like for itself when he took of it off in the original predator there was some hydraulics or or Air pressure, right? There is and some it, of that in this, though. You when when he puts it back on at one point before she steals it for the last time, and you hear like a as it like kind of yeah. almost okay. suction but cups on, but it's not can't to the record same voices, can't record voices like the other. I mean, whatever oh, yeah, technology they were true. using that they were able to play back, can't do that. The infrared does not seem to have as much range to it. He has to get closer to the prey that he is. Uh, hunting yeah. to be able to see them show up. So there are there are things in there that indicate this is an as it should. Yeah. This is an earlier instance sure. of this alien species with technology yes advanced beyond what humans had at the time, but not as advanced as what the predators have when sure. we've encountered them in later films set in the 80s, 90s, whatever. Yeah, which if you think about it, I mean 300 years of technological yeah. development is a long time oh, no, for anybody it's any, brilliant i'm glad actually, they did it actually even if you if you think about it with the like um whatever the name of that thing is where every 18 months computing power doubles uh, oh yeah you would think think like if they're at the point they're at already sure the pace of technological development it's, in their like, of civilization would be, will be like going pretty quickly right but then i actually i think the predators developed their social media in like the 1800s and everything just got really bogged down right. for a long yeah, time because people could not deal with it you know hey with Pritter. So, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, there was the whole thing of like, oh, is our blood really neon green? I don't know. Yeah. Like, does this, uh, you know, do He's the ships actually bleeder. work? I don't gotcha. know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know That's also right. That's right. The, the, the title Prey. Without without Prey, there is no predator. You know, you can't have a predator if it's not pursuing something Yeah, as its prey. And, and the film does some nice, I think, cute, cute almost little instances of showing prey throughout the animal kingdom the mouse eats the fly the snake eats the mouse right. the you know and then at the end of the day the predator is at the top of the right. the food chain well and how that's not right and how those near the top of any food chain can sometimes switch positions right where sure. that's the case with humans and the predator creatures but also mountain lions also you know like the, these uh bears that that um these Animals that might be hunted for food, prey yeah. for humans, can also hunt humans at times or take down humans. There's some big blockbustery films coming out later this year with all of the hype and pomp and circumstance. So it's always fun when something like this, really, like you said, David, comes out of nowhere. Carlos, when you suggested it, I didn't know what you were talking about. 
which right. is why you probably didn't get a response from me. We'd already locked in. Um, I think I already bought my movie tickets. No, we can't change it. I've already <laughs> been made an investment. But this uh, prey was a fantastic kind of off week highlight. Fantastic, really, really good. Glad you, glad you, glad we went this direction. And while I agree with you, Carlos, that I would have preferred that this got a theatrical release because I would have rather gone to see it in the movie theater. It's kind of great when a film comes along that you can recommend to anyone because most people have access to Hulu, or a lot of people have access to Hulu, or all you know what I mean. And like, hey. If, if you're interested, it's right there, along with the original Predator, at least. I know they've been yeah. pushing that one at me ever since I watched Prey. I think, I think, so. I think a lot of this, I think, I think a lot of them are on there right yeah. now. Because yeah. uh, I, I think I saw Predators on there the other day, too. I never saw that one or the Predator, but I saw, obviously, the first Alien versus Predator. That was the first movie of either of those franchises that was PG 13 and that I could go see in a theater. Mm hmm. And then more recently, around the time I was doing the Prometheus rewatch and going through like the Alien franchise, I, for the first time, watched the second Alien vs. Predator movie, which is absolute dog shit, completely unwatchable, and not in a fun way. Aww. It is one of the worst motion pictures that I have ever seen. Uh, so y'all can skip that one. And if you disagree <laughs> with me, <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, well, you may have burst some bubbles oh with boy. that assessment <laughs> of the second alien versus predator. Um, I think we made everybody happy with our, with our sentiments on prey, but did we burst our own bubbles with this West coast take on the pale ale from me Keller? The can art is suggesting something, not sure exactly what, yeah. but it doesn't deliver on any of the suggestions, subliminal overt that I got from. I don't. I'm not tasting bubble gum. I'm not tasting no. I don't either. anything like that. And I'm glad to say that because what I am tasting, which I think is a very malt forward, you know, hoppy, hoppy. See, I was just gonna say. I mean. I'm not saying there's no malt yeah. here, but I was because I was thinking, you know, as you I changed read down, midstream. I, me- I meant to say hops. A very okay. hop oh, forward right. IPA, f- no frills. Yeah. Meaning there's no, there's no smoothie. There's right, no right. fruity. There's no. I'm enjoying this very, very much. It's it's a throwback to that West Coast IPA that got so popular for so long. Yeah, I mean, w- when you were reading down some of those. Um, you know, beers that that maybe inspired this. That one of those was Sierra Nevada, and whenever I think West Coast Pale Ale, I guess that's where my head goes is mm-hmm. the Sierra Nevada, which I think has a little bit more of a multi heavier kind of body to it than this one. But I totally love the the lightness of this. It's very easy to sip on. It does have more of a pronounced bitterness than your typical pale ale these days. Um, certainly, anything that would be called a juicy or hazy pale ale but it's very delicious very easy to drink i'm impressed yeah i am not a big west coast pale ale ipa any of that genre kind of guy but this one is kind of mellow enough for me yeah it's it's got a nice bitterness but it's not crazy overpowering uh so I've I've enjoyed this one more than I would have expected. Yeah, the bitterness yeah. lingers in your mouth. I mean, it I, does. I enjoy that a lot. It's 5.9 ABV in case I didn't mention it at the top. It doesn't linger in an upsetting way. No, though. no. Like some, some of the beers reference Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Don't care for it. Too bitter for me. Uh, and I, I think this one comes in a little bit under that in a way that I can enjoy personally. Nothing but success this first half. I wonder where we're headed. Well, there's only one way to find out, and, uh, you know, we'll follow the smoke signals to get there. (laughs) And we're back! We are back. All right, here we go. All right. Well, Carlos said if you followed the smoke signals, you would find out where we were headed. And sure enough, that that was a pretty good tip. But before we get to that place, we yeah. need some beer in our glasses. We need some beer in our glasses. Um, I'm excited about this one. Yeah, me too. Uh, I don't know that I've had this style from this brewery before. But a couple of weeks ago, I got a message from a buddy of mine. And... Uh, <laughs> it's 10 p.m. 
And I get a message from him and was basically like, hey, I'm at Pine House in Austin. Uh, do y'all need beer for the podcast? They did a sour recently that I liked a lot. Um, and I saw, I, I didn't respond to him for like another hour. And I was like, oh, he probably already left, but shit, I like, for whatever reason, took a while to respond. And I was like, I was like, we're always game for Pine House. Uh, and he was like, you know, I always feel like I'm out of the loop and didn't want to recommend a shitty beer, but it's good. It's like sour fruit. It's called this. And I was like, I've never heard of it, but I've never had a bad beer for, from them before. And he was like, cool, I got y'all four pack. He came to the shop to drop it off. As I suspected, was slightly inebriated when sending me this message because <laughs> it was 10 p.m. and he was at Pine House. I also would have been fairly inebriated, uh, but brought brought this beer. It's called Starlit. Shouts out, Marcus. Thanks for this. Uh, Thank you, Marcus. Very much appreciate it. Uh, sour ale brewed with strawberry, lemon zest, and caracara orange. I'm seeing y'all's Ooh. pours already, and it looks very promising. Uh, and again, yeah, don't think I've... I'm trying to think, and I really don't think I've had a sour from them before. Definitely of many varieties of hazy IPAs or pale ales. And I think I've had a Neapolitan stout. I've had a stout. I've definitely had many IPAs. Pale, pale ales, etc. Maybe even a pilsner or two, but I don't think I've had a sour from them either. Like McKellar, this is our second time to enjoy Pint House That's on the crazy. program. Crazy. The first that. time, of course, was you can imagine Electric Jellyfish. The Electric yeah. Jellyfish episode one forty two, alongside the film Mainstream. Ooh, oh yeah. man, Rough. that that was one that helped wash yes. the terrible taste of failure from of our the mouths. Movie. Of yeah, the movie. I right. was going through. Um, the offerings of a particular distributor that I order from that I mostly get like soundtracks and then some like really obscure like comps or archival stuff. And I saw that Mondo legit released the mainstream soundtrack on vinyl. Why? No, I, who is buying it is what I want to know. Who the fuck bought? Cause Mondo stuff is expensive, right? They're like sure 30, is. 35, $40 single LPs, right? Right. Who bought this record and i was the most positive on that film of all of us i think you, you I, I gave it the most you, you, benefit you of the doubt than than anyone else did and i still wouldn't even pay wholesale for it to yeah. put it in this in the store i you just did not I, order a copy fuck no right. <laughs> strawberry on the nose for me like in, in a good, definitely good got way. strawberry also some of the like i almost like the orange pith or something that there's like like kind of a bitter citrusy note in the nose that um, I, I don't know. It's a complex nose. I'm, I'm excited. Very, to try it is it. a very complex nose. I, w- I will. Uh, little jammy. Little. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm excited. This is fun. Well, th- thank you, Marcus, for uh, bringing us something new, introducing us to uh, a style that we're not familiar with from a brewery that we have had a little experience with. So that's exciting. Certainly, a lot of off mic experience. Yeah, you need right. to get more on mic. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but, you know, we, we thought this week we, we were doing Prey in the first half as our sort of lead feature film, and it is being celebrated as not just a new entry in the Predator franchise, but also one that takes the opportunity to really um, f- focus a spotlight on indigenous culture, indigenous peoples um, in, in the U.S., in, in the Americas, that, um, you know, rarely gets done in film, certainly in a sci-fi horror franchise. Sure. <laughs> so that that's pretty new. Um, and we thought, what could we pair it with that would also sort of shine a spotlight on other ways that indigenous culture has come into film in, you know, the past? And you can't go too far back because there's not a whole lot there. It really you know, if, if, if you go back to the beginning of cinema history, I mean, you could look at something like Nanook of the North, which has its problems. Maybe we'll cover that on some episode in the future. Um, and, and, and obviously the depiction of indigenous peoples in the Western genre, which we kind of briefly mentioned in, in, in the first half. But it wasn't really until the 90s that, that we started seeing some films get some traction that featured more, uh, you know, indigenous people in the cast, the crew, um, and and as sort of the head creatives, the people writing and, and maybe even, it's, you know, directing. Seems like that might have been a reckoning point for, in film at any rate, you are using this whole culture as a punchline mm-hmm. or a caricature. Right. You know, and... In the 90s, you're right. Uh, for better or for worse, there, yeah. there, there was uh, an increase in 
Native Americans as a topic in film. Yeah, and so when we were Dances talking, with Wolves is where my head is going. Sure, and we quickly ruled that out as an option. Yeah, uh, I'm even, ruling Kevin Costner out from henceforth on this podcast. Just blanket statement. I don't know. They, yeah, well, okay, all, all right. Well, well make me we, and David go. How we may do we need, make? We may need to revisit that at some point. But yeah. you know, you you can. Yeah. I'm not going to fight tomorrow. hard right now. I'm not a fan. Um, well, I don't know that I'm a fan, but I think there are some of his films that could work in certain ways. Like I, I think of. Now I'm going to go off on a tangent, but Bull Durham is one that stands oh, God, out to yes. me as having like a certain kind of presence. Did he direct that? No, no, but he's starting. Okay. I'm I'm speaking of him more as a filmmaker than. Oh, an okay. Well, then maybe we can't because Dances those. with Wolves. He directed. Yes, he yes. correct. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm speaking Kevin Costner, the director, creator, rather Dunka. than the piece of okay, the thing. Okay. Well, all right. So we didn't clarify. do Dances with Wolves. We didn't do Dances with Wolves. Thank God. Uh, what what we did do was welcome to talking Costner. Take a look at the 1998 American independent feature Smoke Signals, um, directed by Chris Ayer. And written by Sherman Alexie, a much celebrated indigenous author, though, asterisk, folks, a few years ago, some stuff came out. He got kind of caught up in the Me Too uh, stuff and, and has not exactly been canceled, but he, he did have a number of awards and recognitions rescinded in wow. the aftermath of that. So I, I don't know that story. Um, yeah, no, and I, I mean, I only know it. In a, in a vague way, yeah, but um, well, just say that he he's long been celebrated. More recently, has uh, maybe taken a, a, a little bit of tarnish. a lower profile and, and kind of. But nonetheless, this film was a um, landmark in many ways in that it got um, a cast of primarily indigenous folks um, telling a story that was very much about life um, on the reservation, so to speak, circa 1998. Um, what it was like being a young person trying to find themselves, the kinds of troubles that tended to um, be recurring features for many people on the reservation, and trying to find themselves in the midst of that, right? So we have two uh, characters who are kind of our lead characters here, Victor, played by Adam Beach, Thomas, played by Evan Adams, who both live on the same reservation, the Coeur d'Alene uh, Reservation in Idaho, and Victor's father, his biological father, who was sort of a father figure to Thomas, um, has just passed away. He had left the reservation a long time ago, left, abandoned his yeah. child, essentially, abandoned Victor and Thomas, and had moved to Arizona. They've been notified that he's died. Victor wants to go collect his ashes um, to sort of, you know, reconnect. And yet lacks the funds, lacks the wherewithal to really be able to do that. In comes Thomas saying, hey, I have some money. I can help you out getting there. But the stipulation is you need to bring me with you. And so we see these two young men go out on this journey to reconnect with this father slash father figure from their past, reckon with that man's place in their collective histories. And sort of find themselves in in the process, so to speak. It's it's essentially kind of a coming of age road film in, yeah. in a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, so there we go. I think that kind of lays out the stakes. Had you guys had either of you seen Smoke Signals before? H hadn't seen it. Mm -hmm. uh, was certainly you know as much into movies as I am now. Back when it came out, right. and I remember all of the Sundance hype of it. I mm -hmm. remember the it was a flash of success for this filmmaking team cast. Uh, never caught it. Can't tell you why. When we were beginning to, when we began to look at some Native American themed films or highlighted films, it's at the top of every list. You know, when you kind of Google the best films about this topic, it's at or near the top of all of them. So I was happy to finally catch up with it. Yeah, and I'm taking it you didn't see it, Carlos. I right? did not yeah. see this motion picture. I, I had seen this on VHS or maybe maybe very early DVD, right shortly after it came, probably 99, 2000. Mm -hmm. I do remember because it was getting that kind of yeah. acclaim and this like, oh, this new American indie film that mm -hmm. has you know you know the indigenous cast and that it's telling this different kind of story, but also. Um, and I remember at the time, although it, it was sort of a vague recollection once I got around to watching it again, um, I, I remember thinking it, it kind of reminded me in certain ways of uh, Bottle Rocket, which was a recent release. At You know, that was 96, I think, just a couple of years before this. Mm -hmm. had a very kind of similar feel 
to that in, in certain ways. Um, this kind of meandering, listless, like young men who should have already probably matured but hadn't quite and working through, but had a much darker um, foundation to it right. in that, you know, a lot of what's driving these guys and their experience is this kind of split experience that they had where, you know, Victor grew up with um, the father, who I'm going to forget the name here, Arnold. is... Say it again. The actor or the character? Uh, the, the, the actor is Gary Arnold. Farmer. The Arnold is the... Mm-hmm. Okay, Arnold Joseph? Is mm-hmm. that Something yeah, okay. like that. Um, and, you know, that, that Arnold was a heavy drinker. Yeah. Um, was constantly kind of belittling the mother and and him as his son and physically abusive at yeah. times. And so, and we're seeing through flashbacks that experience contrasted with Thomas, who sort of built Arnold up to being this bigger than life figure because as the film starts, we see, we hear him recounting this story of how there was a New Year's party that, Fourth of July. Fourth of July. Sorry, um, that turned deadly because, well, it doesn't. He doesn't really say why, and we find out later why. But a house fire happens after supposedly most of the guests had either left or fallen asleep. Many of the people who were sleeping in the house perish, but the baby, uh, Thomas, the baby, was saved supposedly by Arnold mm-hmm. um, having, you know, caught him as he was being thrown out of or ejected out of this burning building. Right. You see that kind of depicted there. So you have this... And you're going to... That's going to... There's going to be some hero worship there. Right. The man was participatory in saving my life. Right. Right. So you have that contrast between th- the boy who grew up with this guy literally as his father in the house every day having to experience the worst of his behavior right? versus the one who had built him up in his mind as this you know, sort of folk hero almost. Right. They're going to go across the country to a degree and uh, collect his ashes. Right. Um, I, I enjoyed this movie. It was my first time to see it. You said you had seen it back then. You probably, I don't know how much you, I would guess maybe you didn't remember much, maybe? The, the little vague pieces. I remembered them on the bus. I remember yeah. the confrontation with the, the, with the two, uh, you know, White guys in the trucker hats. Sure. Uh, this is my gun cleaning hat, I think is one of them. I, I didn't remember that bit, but I saw it in this, yeah. Uh, I think that this movie probably was a very important film when it came out mm-hmm. because it could usher in this, it could help usher in, I should say, this idea of us having a history in this country of mischaracterizing an entire an entire people. Yeah. Uh, our, in, our indigenous folks who got the short end of a very horrible deal. Um, with colonization. So the idea that you're seeing just stories of what appear to be real people, I, they are actors, of course, I know this, but they're, it's, they, they must be novice actors, I would guess, because... This it, is definitely early in all their careers. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it was put out in a time that I think has got its it, the time period's fingerprints all over the film, which don't... Doesn't age it very well. I'm talking about score a lot here. Very on the nose beats and uh, sad parts and happy parts and uh-huh. you know, pensive parts that are really played uh, overtly, which are distracting. Um, but there's a lot of themes here that I think are really worth exploring, and I'm happy this 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 film did. I just don't know if it holds up that well. Um, because I've seen so many films and so much time has passed since this film came out. And where I, where I typically try not to reserve any judgment for the time period that a film ca- came out, there's something about the uh, Sundance low budget of all of this that that doesn't present well now. I hope I'm. I well, hope that I'm. I, I think so, and that's where I went to Bottle Rocket. Honestly, like saying if, that if, well. if you go back to Bottle Rocket now, which I have, I do. I check in with that every few years. It's it's a favorite of mine. I'm past you. It. What's that? I'm past you checking in with you. it. I really am. It's. <laughs> it has suffered um, from it's. It was the first feature effort of Wes Anderson. Uh-huh. He hadn't quite gotten his legs under him in a lot of ways. He certainly hadn't developed as an exacting a style as he did later. The actors he's working with, even Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson, who went on to be 
I think more established, his, yeah. you know, and, and and at least even if neither of them are really thought of as great sort of Owen method. Wilson is having a renaissance right now in the uh, kind of like throwaway mid to bigger budget. Marry me. Yeah. And now I just saw a commercial for well, I know he's got a film what's him that? being uh, like a superhero. Yeah, that's on Paramount Plus, I think. Yeah. Right. Like uh, it's I, well, I, I, mean, I, I like refer, me some I would Owen not Wilson. refer to that as a renaissance. Yeah, I I, I still think that that's plugging Owen <laughs> Wilson. Working in, in front of property. our eyes though. I but mean, I but I guess what I'm saying is that like neither of these guys went on to be known as great actors. Agree. They're known as like screen presences sure. who work in certain situations you know if, if you have them right um and i see a lot of the same stuff going on here right like i think you have as you pointed out joe you have some people pretty earlier in their career adam beach has gone on to do a lot of work since i think more so than evan adams but even but but he's had a bit of a career too i haven't seen him as much in later stuff right. he was in swan song adam beach right there Which you go. We watched recently also he was in a short film called prey Wow. In the nine, late, is, late, But no late connection, right? That's the MC Hammer one. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Prey video, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, Because yeah. w- watching those two films alongside each other, I think would very quickly, you know, w- what you're saying is right, Joe. Like, this isn't a perfect film by any stretch. This isn't a film that you can c- just kind of lose yourself in. There's some stuff about it that's very... 90s American independent cinema made by young people Very who much. were working with scrappy budgets yeah. that just didn't have that you gave it you gave those films and, and you know I, I'm I'm just going to Bottle Rocket because that's the one that I'm most familiar with but there are several others that we could throw out there and kind of say look they're about young people being made by young people um, you know with some of these flaws on there that said I think I give this film a ton of credit and it still holds up given that I think it's peeking into yes a familiar story this idea of young men who are maybe not quite maturing the way they should be um, having these kind of experiences that bring them further along that pathway and that by the end of the film you kind of get a sense that okay now they're they're actually getting closer to being adults and, sure. and they're going to maybe be able to take care of themselves in some ways and those around them that, that they haven't but reckoning also with this you know terrible um reality of a father figure who kind of stands in for a lot of you know people of that generation who hadn't been as aware of themselves and their impacts on the children they were bringing up the way that you know alcoholism kind of fed into that the way that yeah. these kind of disappointments in in their lives had had sort of factored into that um problems they had had in themselves i mean i i've already hinted at you know eventually we do find out that it, the, the father arnold wasn't just a, an unequivocal hero that he was actually the guy who set the fire because he right. was drunkenly setting off fireworks and shooting them into the house and you know so he did ultimately help rescue the child but only because he had created this situation yeah, and, that endangered the child and, there, and one of the more po- poignant parts is him talking to a newer friend that he has female in the place that he's landed phoenix arizona saying what's the worst thing you've done to another human and the regret that he clearly feels then uh thomas is the storyteller yeah the 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 nerd who hasn't had a lot of social acceptance i think that we're together so he's kind of made himself into this interesting guy who, who who tells stories and he gives a story in voiceover when Victor is taking his father's ashes to the, the river to dump them in the river, to put them in the river. And he tells a story, and I think that it's the most poignant and well-delivered piece of the film in voiceover. When do we forgive our fathers? When do we forgive our fathers for marrying or not marrying our mothers? When do we forgive our fathers for divorcing or not divorcing our mothers? It goes on and then ends. I'm paraphrasing because I've only seen it the one time. And then we realize that when we do forgive them, we are at the end of our struggle. And so there's some positive kind of foreshadowing there that if Victor can get over this pain, then he can lead a life, which he clearly has not done up until now. They're both broke. They both don't really work. There's a, there's a, a technique 
of demonstrating just how little happens in where they live with a radio station where nothing, you know, they, they give yeah. the report about the, how the, nothing's ever happening. The traffic report yeah. is, is a person sitting on top of their van yeah, noting I, the two vehicles that pass by them in the last sure, hour, yeah. hour. Yeah. So um, very earnest, very ambitious. I, when it came out, I'm sure it had a power that it's just not packing with me right now, but I'm certainly glad that I finally caught up with it. And uh, Well, and I think to me, if anything, I... I Again, I hear where you're coming from. If if anything, I end up feeling sort of sad that this didn't become the launch pad. Like I know that Air and, and Alexi, to some, he, at least one of his other stories has been adapted into a film, have had some success, but nowhere near the kind of success that Wes Anderson has had. You know what I mean? So I, I feel like this points to okay, this was a moment where something good happened and there was potential for growth and i know there are other people doing good work now you know in and bringing you know indigenous stories to the screen um and you know both small and big and and one of the other pathways that we thought about going here that i had thrown out was maybe trying to look at something by sterling harjo who had not had as great success as a filmmaker but has recently in the past couple of years had success with this series Reservation Dogs for FX that's also available on Hulu actually Gary Farmer who plays the father here shows up in that as like uh, he's the uncle character who's kind of um, wild in that show I haven't Hilarious. seen that show but I mean it's a, a great lot show. of people oh it's I'm the new season that from there's a second season that's currently airing right now I think there are three episodes in um, highly recommend it yeah. and to me like okay finally what 20 plus years later, almost 25 years later, we're getting to a point where there's another kind of celebrated American media property that's that's starting to get some attention like that. There's a long way to go. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more that can be done. Prey is maybe part of that as well. So, I, I mean, I'm hopeful, but it, but it is kind of disappointing when you think like, wow, this this seemed like it should have been the start of something more, and I don't know that it blew up in the way that... Um, that a lot of folks would have liked it to have. Yeah, not in terms of like putting those uh, types of stories front and center, but I think it did. I think there was kind of an awareness of the way that, like we said, Westerns had depicted, you know, a Native American characters and culture. And like, I'm thinking too, uh, of all movies, Shanghai Noon, Hmm. Uh, which like has, you know, these, this native American tribe that Jackie Chan kind of stumbles into. And like, he ends up, ends up kind of accidentally marrying this, this native woman, but it's, it's aware of what has been done in the past in a way where like, she's the most competent person in that film mm-hmm. you know it's not like pointed at but I, I rewatched that movie when i had covid like four months ago or whatever and i was like oh this is funny like she's the smartest person in this movie and yeah. like is has constant like saves them multiple times from certain death uh so while it didn't start this like larger movement i think it did kind of make people conscious of things in a way maybe um because that movie made 20 years earlier looks way different (laughs) you know it it just in the and and that particular character uh, you know uh, this woman the jackie chandler it's it's not like she's on screen a lot and she certainly doesn't speak very much because she doesn't speak english really until like the very end she has like a a line of dialogue but Mm -hmm. but even just the small amount of time dedicated to her would have been different 20 years prior i think yeah so yeah i don't know i didn't get to see this movie because i was traveling all weekend um but i wish i had yeah i, w- I would recommend checking it out at some point for sure well, um, paramount it, plus yeah okay so i mean it's it's uh if anybody's already a subscriber it's there for you I but am. um i don't know but why, yeah but i mean I am. like i said it, it, maybe you'll uh, be a little bit disappointed by the fact that it didn't get followed up in the way that it that it probably should have but but nonetheless, worth looking at, especially as like a time capsule snapshot of mm-hmm. what was happening in independent cinema in the 90s that seemed kind of promising in various ways that some of it played out, some of it didn't. So. Well, now, did this beer play out or did it not? It was mean, it promising? 
I mean, it was it's promising. It's got a it's got the Pine House logo on it. It's promising from the jump and a great can. We're gonna be excited to try it. Um, but did it seven point five? The can it? says Ooh, yeah, it's heavier. Sour than ale brewed yeah. with strawberry yeah, lemon zest seconds. and Cara. I forgot Cara to mention orange. That. Up top, it is. I'm struggling with this. Really? Yeah. I'm uncertain as to why. Me too. Joe. <laughs> Me too. Well, maybe David can help us figure it out. But what is your reservation? It hits you up top when it first hits the tongue. It tastes incredible. When it lingers, there's a diminishing return there. I'm going to say even a little bit of like an aspirin taste at the end. But I wouldn't know what causes. I wonder that. if that's maybe the the sort of uh, citrus peel that the pith that could that I be was talking about. I don't get that very strongly on the back end, but I definitely like right out of the gate sipping it. I was thinking like strawberry lemonade that that like it has that kind of, you know, strawberry meat citrus, sweet, but also a little bit sour, um, not heavy, light, which is why I'm surprised that 7.5 is, is where we're at with the ABV. Yeah. Um, I was thinking this might have been something that was like more in the, you know, five, five and a half percent range. That would be a really easy kind of summer sipper. Uh, you know, I, I was getting vibes of like I'm sitting by the pool, sipping on this, go in the pool, refresh, come back out, have another. I mean, I don't think I could drink too many of these in an afternoon um, because of the ABV, but but at least in the mix there, I think this would work really well. I'm impressed. I see I see why Marcus was wanting us to to try this one out. Definitely a very good instinct on his part. Uh, I I also enjoyed a great deal. I'm I'm now that Joe has spoken his truth, I'm trying to I'm trying to get there with you. I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to walk in your shoes. I'm trying to experience this unsettling aftertaste. I mean, I don't get aspirin, but I do get that it kind of dries out at the end. <laughs> did, did that help? The, the, the Are you helping anybody? You know, aerating it in the. I'm helping the ASMR fans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it's the lemon zest, right? Some of the yeah, rind, it must be, must be uh, yeah. coming from that. Must be. I'd like to get this on tap. Give it another shot. I'm a fan of it. Good. Gotta say. Glad to hear. Um, it. I mean, look, strawberry in a beer. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that cherry is not. <laughs> none of that yeah. medis- medicinal, although you no. did say aspirin, but but none of the kind of medicinal thing that comes along with cherry or maybe even sometimes raspberry. Uh, I, I didn't get that at Never all. Never got it this. from raspberry before. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, big fan of this mm-hmm. success. Um, and yeah, uh, Joe, bummer. That, uh, <laughs> you weren't feeling it. Well... Any closing thoughts here, guys? Well, I'm excited for uh, what this might mean for the Predator franchise. Uh, you know, we, we, we hinted at it. I'm, I'm definitely on board for whatever comes next. I, I hope that they bring people like uh, Trachtenberg and Myers more into the fold here and, and maybe come up with some interesting stories that go off in directions that we wouldn't anticipate. That That's exciting. I'm also excited for the idea that maybe we're going to see more... Uh, authentic indigenous representation in film going forward so to me this is a this is a winning episode it's yeah. an, it's one that i hope only sets the stage for more in the future the thing that i find interesting about i don't know i don't know if maybe filmmakers in the past have phoned it in or if they just like generally just don't give a fuck but like when shit is like more accurate and gives you like a more like accurate, in-depth, detailed look into a culture or a time or a place that you are not intimately familiar with already. It's a more it's more interesting. Oh great. Mm-hmm. It's it's just objectively better in all ways. Mm-hmm. So why would you not do that? Cuz it's hard work. Uh, well, so if, filmmaking in general is hard work. If you're no, averse but, to hard work, then probably not the field for you. Right, but it, well, and I don't know. This this might be a conversation for after hours, but I think you're right. I mean, filmmaking in general is hard work, but layer on top of that, doing the research, doing the the work that you have to to actually get the background on 
a pastime, the civilization, but like get all those things right. And and it just layers on. And if it's not something that you know for certain already has a winning track record with audiences to get the money to sort of fund that kind of project becomes very, like you can do a costume period drama that is, you know, set in the British aristocracy in the, in the, uh, the, the 19th century. Sure. Because we've had successful versions of that. Yeah. And we even have, you know, like, whatever there there are you know series and stuff but the idea of setting one in the 18th century that has indigenous people as the primary cast that has no sort of hints of western civilization other than maybe some encroachment of that in, in there like it's a tough property to sell it's it's one that where are you going to get those resources it's I, harder. Su- I suppose but i do think that at this especially in this day and age f- Phoning it in is always going to turn out worse. For, Absolutely. No, for your I mean, project and for your career. Filmmakers should take this as an indication that it pays off if you do that hard work and you push into these other realms that haven't already been de- depicted to, you know, ad nauseum. Like yeah. The- Unless you're Robert Eggers and people are mad about the Northman <laughs> and all the work you put into it. All right. Well, I mean, th- there's definitely more to discuss here than what we had time for to on this week's episode but that's the great thing about this podcast is that the conversation continues after the episode has concluded and that happens uh on a in in a various uh number of digital spaces most of them being social media you can find us on twitter at beer movie show instagram at beer in a movie facebook.com slash beer in a movie tx beer in a movie podcast.com is our home base you can find a link to our patreon patreon.com slash beer in a movie podcast you can find a link to our merch that's over there on t public uh some great designs that my buddy jake did you can do shirts sweaters uh fucking mugs stickers all sorts of cool stuff over there you can also find a link to our discord uh where we're talking about all sorts of things beer movies records you know memes galore uh all that kind of stuff Dave's Country Kitchen, you know what the vibe is. Uh, and also on beerinterviewpodcast.com, there's all these great like curated kind of groupings of episodes, whether it's uh, director-focused, All Horror October, our Cage Match series. All of that stuff exists there, so you can just dive right into the back catalog and whatever interests you the most uh and you know all that kind of good stuff if you're listening to this on apple podcast please rate and review and subscribe it really helps us to manip- manipulate the algorithm into doing what it does and putting us in front of more beer and movie uh loving podcast listeners out there we know you're gonna leave a five-star rating but please leave a written review tell us what you like what you don't like what you want to see more of in the future um and if i didn't mention it earlier patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast uh the it's it's only five dollars a month it really helps us out uh and you get a bonus episode every single week but you do also get these kind of added perks sometimes where you get to help us program episodes uh that's going to be coming up pretty soon in all horror october that's usually a past future uh, past future present and then the fourth week episode is a listener curated episode uh so that will be a good time lots of perks um of being a patron of the show this has been another blood-soaked episode of Beer in a Movie. They all are. Because <laughs> if it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs>